0: Listening to Cap Conversation, the digital discourse of financial services today with Capco and guests. In today's episode, we'll be joined by Capco's Nicholas Parmaxikian. Nick will be sharing his fascinating journey to becoming our global head of digital, what makes him tick, and the genesis of Capco's Digital Innovation Labs, which brings together best in class PhDs, data scientists, designers, prototyping teams, and fintech to shake up the ever-changing world of financial services. Hey, welcome, Nick. How are you doing today? I'm good, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. All right, so Nick, you've had a very interesting career. Um, You started out as a consultant, correct? Mm -hmm.
1: That's Well, actually, I started in the soft drink industry. So I I fancied being um, a marketeer, a brand manager in the soft drink industry. So I worked for Cadbury Schwab's. Wow. Um,
0: I had no idea. Yeah, That's kind of
1: cool. I know. I was actually promoting and launching an American drink in France, which wasn't a small task. So I was responsible for Dr. Pepper. Oh, I know re- it well. Right. Okay. So back in the days, that was my first job. And, um, you know, really enjoyed that. Uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: Did, was it, did Do French people drink Dr. Pepper now? I
1: had, listen, I don't think it's that popular. And I have to admit as well, like I, I wasn't in love with the taste. <laughs> I didn't really tell anyone. But uh, <laughs> what was fun was that uh, we used American football at the time to mm-hmm. really advertise the drink. And uh, you know, I got my first introduction to, to that sport and uh, the whole American culture that came with that. So I did that for, for a short while. And then I went and did an MBA and realized actually that... I really enjoyed variety of work, um, Mm -hmm. being exposed to um, various situations, clients' problems, and um, and I honestly get bored pretty quickly. So, out of my MBA, I sort of felt that consulting was right for me. It kind of gave me the opportunity to, um, you know, change relatively frequently, uh, meet a lot of people. kind of intellectually stimulating as well being exposed to a variety of uh, problems so i joined uh what was known at the time anderson consulting Mm -hmm. which became accenture and i was there for seven years um what was pretty interesting at the time was that everybody had to go through computer programming course for about a month and a half and i came in to this with a uh, philosophy background. So that wasn't exactly my, you know, my <laughs> calling.
0: What 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 language did they make you learn?
1: Um, C++. And oh, yeah, that's painful. I know it was. But I actually, um, I somehow got, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed it in a weird way. I felt like the logic of it and the whole like... You know, solving the puzzle. Kind I of was going
0: to say, you seem like a very logical thinking person and and it is all about logic and, and understanding how the logic flows through a program. I'm not
1: sure how logical I am sometimes, <laughs> but I, I really enjoy the problem solving part of it. And so mm-hmm. I did that for a couple of years. I, I um, kind of, you know, created software, um, especially during the dot-com boom of the early notice. Uh, So I kind of helped build a a bunch of e-commerce sites and brands, and that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, so that sort of busted uh, pretty badly, (laughs) and then decided to move into uh, financial services, still with Accenture, and really specialized in marketing and distribution strategy for for our clients. Then, From that point on, uh, I... um, My last client at Accenture actually hired me uh, and that was Barclays Bank and um, they gave me the opportunity to be their head of innovation in the UK initially. And so I did that for uh, for a few years, which was great fun. I learned a lot, learned um, as much as I you know, could about banking, mm-hmm. about the importance of um, the customer and uh, the experience, uh, and really having kind of innovation with purpose. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. If you're not, I mean, if you're not thinking about the customer, what, what's it for, really? Right.
1: And, and, to be honest that was pretty novel in the UK at the time yeah. uh, Barclays had hired a team from the US um, Diana Oppenheimer who used to be the CEO of Washington Mutual mm-hmm. uh, she came across with her management team and I was part of that team so I learned a lot from uh, from from them I learned really about the fact that in retail banking uh, retail is most more important than banking in terms of you know why
0: do you, why do you think that is but I think it's
1: again back to this notion that it's about the customer right much like retailers are all about the customer and the client experience and you know really thinking through um the needs of the individual there was you know i mean when when i got there and i remember very clearly there was a situation where um terrible mis-selling scandal where um you know, pensioners were sold uh, lending products and mm-hmm. uh, couldn't repay them. So so really, you know, really pushing products for the sake of pushing the product re- without ever thinking about, actually, is this the right thing to do for the customer? Right. And, right. That, and, uh, and she changed all of that. And uh, it was a great time for me to be in the bank and to witness it and really uh, learn firsthand about uh, the importance, again, of doing the right thing by the customer and and, um, and creating a culture really that isn't about selling at all cost, mm-hmm. but actually really about servicing uh, needs and, um, you know, offering the right products to the right customer.
0: More like playing the long game instead of the short game. That's right. Yeah.
1: So did that for a number of years and uh, also got the opportunity to travel with Barclays. I was their marketing director mm-hmm. in uh, continental Europe um, for the bank, which... It Was interesting and I enjoyed it um, for the following reason. Um, Barclays in the UK is the, one of the dominant domestic players, but when you go sort of when you when you go to continental Europe or even sort of Africa where Barclays was, um, you know, you become a challenger overnight. Right. So marketing a challenger brand was a lot of fun and just really kind of. Taking on the big players yeah. and trying to find a niche in the market, trying to go after those customers who have been sort of disappointed or disaffected by their you know existing providers, and um, and also really trying to w- find a way of engaging. Uh, the local community in a different way. I mean, you mm-hmm. can already see that there is a pattern in my career yeah. where from Dr. Pepper to, uh, <laughs> you know, Barclays as a challenger brand in Europe and not Capco, I've always really loved working with the, the underdog.
0: Right. Well, I, I am starting to notice you like solving problems. And the problem was how do I take down these big banks yeah. and find their, their, their gaps in their customer service? And you did that with Dr. Pepper, I'm sure, as well.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, just really kind of, I think it's part of it is obviously sort of really understanding who your customer is, but also I think it's about understanding who you are competing with. And so going after those weaknesses and uh, that make your competitors vulnerable. And so just being opportunistic in that way um, is really what you need to be able to sort of grow a brand and be disruptive in the marketplace and uh and um you know i mean it was very fashionable to be running guerrilla marketing campaigns so that's kind of what we did you know i'm really surprised those are
0: fun Those are fun right when there's no framework you just make it up and you go and you you can do so much creative stuff i I, i've done that in my past and i love it you did
1: I, i had so much fun um, I learned a lot, and just being in the contact, direct contact the customer, and you know, just really surprising your competition, uh, again was was a great fun. I learned a lot from that.
0: What was your coolest guerrilla marketing campaign?
1: One of our competitors, I think it was. I should say this, but I think it was uh, it was an HSBC thing. We're opening a new mm-hmm. flagship branch, and mm-hmm. uh, just the idea of um, sort of in this um, sort of town. And then overnight, prior to them opening their new flagship branch in the city center, we pretty much painted the city center in blue. That's what we said. You know, Barclays' color is blue. Right. So we had a lot of um, you know activities in the street and uh, a lot of uh, posters, and um, um, we had balloons, we had face painters, we had nice. Uh, you know, and so essentially the the attention that our competitor was hoping to get on their big opening day kind of got slightly disrupted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mine was, uh, we were opening up, uh, for those of you in New York City, City MD, and Williamsburg. And what I did around Williamsburg was I I used a, um, it's like an invisible paint that is water resistant. So when it rains, you can see the message on the sidewalk. Awesome. And so it was always, uh, you know, messages like, Look up and don't miss life. Make sure you smile. All of these smile. It's a beautiful day. And then I had my my logo and everything. And the compliments I got for that was you know tremendous. And mm. there was no other business in the area that can compete because as soon as it started raining, we were all over Williamsburg. Wow. And it was about a thousand dollars to pull that one off. So that's a great idea. Um. So how do you think? Uh, I mean, now you're here at Capco. Tell us a little bit about your 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 position here at Capco?
1: Yeah, so um, following all of those years at, uh, at the bank and having learned a lot, I, I kind of knew as well that I really love working uh, for challenges and I also knew that I had learned a lot and I wanted to uh, kind of apply what I had learned with a number of other banks. So Capco just was an obvious choice to me mm-hmm. for being uh, entrepreneurial, disruptive, and really uh, sort of wanting to... Uh, kind of revolutionize the way consulting is done. So my role today is to uh, run and manage our sort of digital consulting business uh, across our uh, international offices. So building, scaling, uh, winning in a global scale when it comes to our clients' digital transformation needs. It's been a a fun ride. Uh, I've been in this role really since 2015 when... I feel that we started pretty much from a, you know, from a fairly low base. Mm -hmm. And so hiring the team, thinking about what sort of offerings do we want to take to clients, um, but also really, you know, winning clients' confidence on the back of, you know, our potential and, you know, our our ability to um, get something going uh, has been, you know, a lot of fun. I think we have a great team. I think we've had some fantastic client successes. I think um, we are now being recognized as being a serious player in this space, and that's been incredibly rewarding.
0: What has been the biggest challenge so far?
1: I mean, I think the biggest challenge for me is to um, maintain the integrity of the culture mm-hmm. that we are trying to create. When you are growing as fast as we are, um and welcoming so many new fantastic colleagues every month with uh, tons of talents, um, you still want to r- retain what's made you unique in the first place, which is this sense of um, you know being entrepreneurial, um, creative. Where you know it, it, you know it should it should feel like this is your own business as well. Right. And again, as I said before, just really being. Bit of a challenger to your own sort of sector. So, the integrity of the culture and taking everybody uh, with us on that journey and, and sort of maintaining that is, I don't think it's a huge challenge, but it is something that is top of mind.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, it's one of the things I love about Capco. I, I always tell people when they're coming in look, what I love about Capco is if, you, if something you want to change, you make the change. We, we're we building this together. This is our company. And we can make it what we want it to mm. be. We work together and we build this thing up together. Mm. Um, and so uh, I love the entrepreneurial spirit here. It's It's fantastic. Um, So tell us a little bit about going back to a little bit earlier in your career. You've done a lot of mentoring. Um, Tell us a little bit about what that means to you and um, give us some examples of uh, some great mentoring stories that you might have.
1: Look, I think I've been very lucky to get uh, great mentors, first Mm -hmm. of all. So I got some fantastic mentoring pretty early on in my career.
0: So you're paying it forward
1: now. I feel so. I I love that. A great sense of stewardship and I feel like I you know, I just feel that a mentor is somebody who's been in your shoes before mm-hmm. and who is sharing their experience and wisdom with you. And I think that's just uh, such a great gift. Um, and so as such, having received that level of mentoring, uh, I've also tried to do the same. Um, but I'm also a a qualified executive coach um, so and I think it's important to make the difference between mentoring and coaching I feel that with mentoring you might give somebody you know the answer in the way of how you dealt with that situation in right. the past whereas as a coach you probably help them sort of facilitate um, their own sort of uh, process in coming to the answer so in the way of mentoring I've been mentoring and um, you know a number of startups in the UK um, I've been mentoring them in their sort of, uh, you know, product life cycle in the, um, in the way they are approaching the fundraising, um, their pitching uh, abilities. Um, and I think what's been really interesting is how sometimes the energy and enthusiasm can you know, sort of uh, blind you as a, as, as a small team. Yeah. And, um, and I think there are some sort of, you know, being able to see things for what they are and being super connected with the market and with what uh, the end customer wants is what I've been trying to, to help a little bit. Right. As a coach, I also have had the opportunity to coach a number of entrepreneurs and even politicians, which has been really interesting, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously colleagues at Capco.
0: And um, well, what is one of the what is your favorite startup that you've helped kind of mentor and be a part of?
1: Well, there's a startup called Air um, that's um, in the UK as well that I've been working with that's uh, specialized in using your social media data mm-hmm. to uh, credit score you. And I think it's great. I mean, being new to the US, for example, mm-hmm. I can't really get credit because I don't have a score. I mean, I'm not you know, uh, I don't have credit history here. Right. But if you are able to, based on your LinkedIn data and your Twitter data and, you know, the people that you know uh, who are in your network, I think you get a pretty good sense for who that individual might be. And based on that, being able to then offer some level of credit.
0: That's interesting. That's interesting. It's kind of like, I don't know if you know um, clout on the social media. Yeah. And so it's probably using some of those parameters. And that's really neat. That's really neat. Yeah. That's really neat.
1: I mean, we see so many cool uh, startups these days. And what's, again, I think what's been interesting to witness is the level of maturity as well that some of the startups have gone through from, as I said, naive enthusiasm to actual real, you know, business minds now who are behind some of those. Yeah. You know, if you look back five years ago, um, at least in the UK, those ventures were awash with cash you know, access to capital yeah. is not difficult. I'm not suggesting it is more now, but I think that investors are looking at it with a little bit more scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just about having a great idea. It's actually there's a lot more that goes into it now.
0: And um, now you mentioned the, the, the enthusiasm and the optimism of a startup. Um, how do you bring that and kind of Instill that into uh, the digital labs which which is something that I feel has a very entrepreneurial spirit and and really does have this optimism where they can solve any problem you throw at
1: that's great, thank you for saying that. I think it starts with a vision. I feel that uh, any startup um, or any organization with a startup mindset and I would argue that capco as a whole, although we are over twenty years old I think we still behave as a startup because there's this great vision for what things could be. And that is, that goes beyond who we are. And, uh, so having a great vision, uh, being inspired every day by Mm -hmm. that vision, um, is a super important element. I think giving people sufficient, uh, room to be creative, to be themselves, to bring who they are, um, flexibility, um, Offering the opportunity to try things out and see what works what doesn't work, uh, facilitating collaboration, making sure that people are connected, and uh, fostering an important, you know, uh, a, a team spirit, uh, having fun along the way as well. I think that's important, right?
0: Because we, I, we work very hard here, um, but if we're not having fun doing it, what's what's the point of it all? Exactly.
1: I mean, at, at the end of the day, everybody who works at Capco and I'm sure in, in, in this industry would have plenty of other options offered to them. Um, so I think you constantly need to remind yourself that, you know, why are people coming to work and why am I at work today as well? So I, as, as I said, again, having that vision and that sort of um, um, goal, that's more than just you. But, um, you know, I think it's been super important. And it's something that I've seen in, the better startups that I've been working with.
0: Excellent. So, uh, tell us a little bit about Digital Labs. What maybe share some wins or some exciting projects that uh, they've they've accomplished, and or or challenges that they've they've come against. Or,
1: I think what's been great to um, you know what's been great to watch with the Labs is how quickly they've become such. Uh, integral part of Capco Mm -hmm. and how um, attractive that proposition has been to our clients as well. And I think interestingly as well, how powerful, potent, you know, it's been as a tool to win new clients and new 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 relationships. Mm-hmm. Capco is very strong at uh, fostering and growing relationships. And I think that sometimes, you know, going out and, and finding new logos can be a little bit more challenging. And the lab has been really great in this way where they've been able to um, go to prospective clients and um, engage them in a way that we never did before. And without going with, uh, you know, um, slides or, you know, um, sort of big documents about who we are, but actually putting our lab people front stage and uh, having a conversation with the client about, well, tell us about some of your most complex problems and let's let, let, give us an opportunity to show you what we can do. And that I think has really been that's really disrupted, I suppose, and surprised mm-hmm. some of our clients. I mean, I can, you know, I had a conversation a few hours ago with a client, and again, uh, and another one yesterday, where they love that. They love this idea that actually you're not here to tell me something that I already know or I have heard from a number of other uh, providers, but you're actually really attentive and empathizing with one of my biggest problems or complex problems, and you're offering to take it away for a couple of weeks and trying to see whether you can solve it. So that, I think, is something that the lab has done really, really well.
0: And I, and I love that. I absolutely love that because going in and saying, wait a minute, there's a whole new way you can look at this is absolutely amazing to me. And, and I love that you have a, a, a good background of people who not aren't just financial services but have a, a variety of different backgrounds who bring a lot of different perspectives to financial services which I think helps us with the disruption and and going out there and and tackling challenges in ways that uh, the financial services industry haven't thought of before.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, even sort of reflecting on this, I think I, for example, have also kind of changed my approach when we thought about who did we want to be in digital a few years back and Mm -hmm. what did we want our positioning to be. At the time, it was very much focused on, well, Let's help our clients accelerate delivery because, you know, Capco has got a reputation in delivering against all odds and, you know, really taking on complex delivery programs and Mm -hmm. something that, you know, we are good at. And so this is really what we want. But really, I think over time, what this has become is actually we can deliver, but what we can really do is, is take a step back and actually think about is this even the right solution to deliver in the first place? Yeah. And so, to your point, applying that sort of critical um, in- intellectual rigor to um, you know the problem you're trying to solve before actually putting boots on the ground and, and going after that sort of uh, delivery and hitting that sort of is something that we've matured and we've mm-hmm. learned, and we are now helping our clients do as well.
0: The other thing I love is it. It always seems like you're tackling a problem that doesn't solve. Well, let me rephrase that. It does solve an immediate problem, but it also kind of solves the problems five years, ten years down the road. Uh, it's really trying to uh, to take a futuristic point of view for for some of the things that I've seen come out of the lab.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's it's less about the solution; it's more about the problem. And I feel that if you really um, if you really, really look at the problem. In a different way and apply creativity to it then no matter what the solution ends up being there should be some level of longevity to it as well Uh, obviously when we go through that process we do a huge amount of uh, checks and tests in the way of viability Mm -hmm. feasibility uh, durability desirability you know all of those uh, good things but uh, you know to your point that should essentially allow you to not have to revisit the same problem every year.
0: Love it. What do you think your biggest impact that digital is going to play on the financial services industry globally? Where do you think they're going to have the biggest impact?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's already happening, right? I think our clients are have embraced this digital transformation for a little while now, mm-hmm. um, more or less successfully. I think one of the I think what's interesting to me is that the greatest challenge isn't going to be when you talk about that digital transformation wave. It's not about the technology. It's really about their ability to absorb the change and transform the fundamentals of the business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of what we talk to clients about nowadays is really about the culture and having the right culture in place to support that transformation. Um really looking at the structure of the organizations and those things that enable that culture. So mm-hmm. for example, it's all very well to talk about the importance of collaboration, but if you are not incentivized to collaborate or if you haven't been given the tools to collaborate then that mm-hmm. ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody is moving to agile, but again, if you haven't developed the skills and if you haven't given people the opportunity to work in a different way, then i going to happen either. So I think what's really exciting right now is that the focus has shifted, certainly in the last couple of years, from uh, technology buzzwords mm-hmm. uh, to actual human fundamentals like motivation, needs, uh, empathy—you know—all of those, you know, good and important themes. That because I often say technology will essentially automate a lot. Uh, but what will ultimately differentiate one organization to the next mm-hmm. in this new world will be the human capital and their ability to uh, create. So the creative factor. And uh, we hear a lot now about that sort of creative currency. Right. I was talking to somebody yesterday where it's been great to witness how, uh, you know, nowadays having an art degree is almost as sought after as an engineering degree um, because you mean
0: I did make the right choice yeah, in college you did. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> and that really excites me because you know to see clients really going after that creative talent because they understand that's really what's going to differentiate them you know in the end
0: excellent thank you so much Nick I, I've, I've learned a lot about you I've loved talking to you today And uh, I look forward to seeing the great things that the digital labs do in 2020.
1: Thank you very much, Bobby.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to Cap Conversation, a Capco production. This podcast is for information only and should not and does not constitute consulting services.